It is time for midday here on this August 17th. Tyler Cavalli along with you. Jason Jorgensen is in. Bob Brogan will be joining us here in just a moment. We'll hear from Susan Littlefield and the Farm Department in just a couple of seconds as well. Thanks for uh, making us a part of your Monday. Busy Monday at that, so let's get this party rolling, and let's check in with Susan. Susan, what do you got for us? Well, thanks, Tyler, and here's what's happening on a Monday from the farm team. We're going to kick everything off with Shaylee Peters at 1219 as she talks with John Thornburg. He's the Tri-Basin NRD's general manager. They had a big meeting last week, a recap of the things that happened, and she'll step back in at 1245 as Steve Nelson joins her to talk more about LB1107. And then Clay will wrap everything up at 117 as he talks with Chuck Burr, UNL Extension educator, on the details about one of the first ever virtual water and crop field days slated for August 24th. That's a midday from the farm team. All right. Thank you very much, Susan. Appreciate it. We'll look forward to that coming up here in the next couple of hours or so. Jason's now joining us here for sports. And, well, we have live sports coming up later this week. I know you'll talk about that as well. But, uh Somewhat of a uh, somewhat busy weekend, I suppose, and playoff start for NBA today. It does, and uh, a lot of Husker fans still grousing about uh, there not being a Big Ten season. Eighty-one uh, parents and players from Nebraska signed a letter to Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren. I guess that letter is being hand delivered today. Now, I I doubt that he would take that himself. He's correct. Has people to do that, right? But- you know? They'll filter it, and then, you know, we'll see if you read well, it. Well, you know, with all the hubbub about our U.S. postal system at the time <laughs> being, you know, it's not a bad idea to go in there and hand-deliver that thing. Just to make sure it gets that right. Uh, but as I heard someone say this weekend, it's probably not going to reverse anything. A lot of important people would have to admit that they jumped the gun on this to reverse their decision. But there is there is some force out there. Uh, Justin Fields uh, put right. that petition off, and that just blew up yesterday yeah. on social media, so... Anything maybe Nebraska does end up being the bad guy. Well, and I think with the student athletes coming out and expressing how much they wanted to play, kind of really helped what Nebraska was really saying from the get go. Now, has it helped? Obviously, not a lot. They can only do so much. To be honest with you, I, I only foresee more and more the the big or big the Power Five conferences dropping out. I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. But I'm gonna uh, try. Speaking of which, the SEC will announce its revised schedule. Later on today. Hmm. Also, in terms of football, it's kind of a, uh, I don't know, the worst kept secret in college right, and in the pros. But Steve Levy, Brian Greasy, and Lewis Riddick have been named ESPN's new Monday night football crew. Steve Levy on play by play, I think, will do just fine. I've heard him do play by play before, and I think he'll be able to handle He's it. He's a pro, right. he's an easy listen. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't make it about him. Uh, I think he'll be okay. Uh, I've never had an issue with Brian Greasy other than he played for Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's going to be a solid lineup, and to be honest with you, it should be better than the one they had the last couple of yeah, years. Yeah, Joe Testashore and uh, Booger McFarland, that just didn't work. We'll have to have Booger on. We'll see if he'll <laughs> make a surprise appearance. How about stocks, Bob? What are we seeing today? Not looking good early on. Next on Wall Street, uh, the S&P 500 at one point was up about 12 points. The Dow was down 50 points. Uh, Democratic Speaker Nancy Pelosi calling on the House, uh, calling the House back into session to vote on a bill involving the U.S. Postal Service and the U.S. government is uh, after Huawei, as President Donald Trump says, that they are uh, using their equipment to spy on us. All right. Thank you very much, Bob. All that and coming up more. 
It is time for regional ag weather, and in to do that for this week is one and only Scott Foster playing double duty. You are in the morning from 6 to 10, and mm-hmm. you've still got the boogers in your corner of your eyes, but uh, you're still here. Uh, my mom called those that sleep. Where did that come from? Sleep? Did you ever hear that? No. You got some sleep in your eye. Oh, oh yeah, I've heard that. that yeah, was yeah, sleep. Yeah. I don't know why that, yeah. Well, I don't really know because the boogers form in your eyes and yeah, I, uh, I don't really know I, I, I don't like that word some of them are grosser than others more <laughs> gross than others English is fun English is fun uh, today gonna be uh, pretty pleasant it seems like for the most part yeah you know one of the things that and, and we don't see this very often when Paul and I talk about this oftentimes we'll see a 20 20 degrees sometimes difference between what's going on in Kimball and what's going on mm-hmm. in Omaha but if you look at it right now they're both at 80 degrees Shadron's at 84 Fall City's at 79 it's 78 in Wayne and it's uh, 81 in, in Imperial there's just not a lot of difference it's very consistent right now and you're right it it's a pretty nice forecast not going to be too hot it doesn't seem like at least for today yeah we're looking at temp- temperatures that are uh in just a little above normal but not bad at all sunny skies and seasonably warm temperatures to return to the area small area of storms may develop west of highway 183 tonight but most of the local area will remain dry continued seasonable to seasonal uh, temperatures and a couple of additional small chances of showers and thunderstorms are expected over the remainder of the work week. So for the most part, it'll be pretty good, except it will be very dry, and that is becoming to uh, becoming an issue, especially in northeastern parts of Nebraska right now, as we are uh, seeing a lot of dry areas. Let's take a look at our ag forecast. It calls... For light precipitation over the Midwest during the next week, this is unfavorable for filling row crops. Seasonal to below normal temperatures will ease dryness's impact. Light rain is in store for the southern plains during the next week. Recent rains have been favorable in Kansas. Much of Oklahoma and Texas are hot and dry with stressful conditions reducing cotton crop prospects. In the northern plains, scattered thunderstorms are in store through the next week in the eastern sector of the region western areas will be dry and warm the drier conditions will favor wheat and small grain harvest rain in eastern areas will be favorable for row crop moisture in the delta in southeast the delta will have very little rain during the coming week southeast areas have a better chance of precipitation now let's go outside of the United States. In the Canadian prairies, isolated showers and above-normal temperatures are expected for most of the week, with better chances for showers across the already wetter sections in the west and east. As the crop continues to mature, the isolated nature of the showers and above-normal temperatures should favor more advanced crops, while later planted crops will likely suffer in the southwest quarter of the region especially. In southern Brazil, a high prospect for low temperatures in the next five days. This includes the prospect of frost. Such a colder pattern would be unfavorable for wheat. In Argentina, wheat areas have the have an ongoing dry pattern unfavorable for developing wheat. A frost chance there also during the next week will offer additional stress potential. Recent reported wheat yields in Russia indicate benefits from mid to late season rainfall production in now for, is now forecast by some agencies to reach uh, a small area. And finally, in Australia, wheat areas had variable rainfall over the 
past week, Western Australia, New South Wales, and Victoria had moderate amounts favorable to wheat. South Australia and Queensland had lighter amounts. The week ahead features follow-up showers in Western Australia, New South Wales, Victoria, better, but very little really mm-hmm. elsewhere. Very good. Let me just say this. was home this past weekend, mm-hmm. home back in the panhandle. You can notice a huge difference from North Platte West, mm-hmm. and then as soon as you hit like the North Platte region, right. east, green. Everything west of there, dead, dry. So there's a huge difference out there. Dad said they just haven't had a lot of precipitation. Northeast Colorado seems to be the same. Not sure about Northwest Kansas. Haven't been down in that area. We'll have to ask Clay because I know he was more recently down in there. Yes, he was. Uh, but, boy, I mean, there's such a huge difference. Even in the, the ditches or in the medians, if you will, green and dead from mm-hmm. North Platte. It just seems to be a line there of what we're seeing for precipitation. I just noticed that this past weekend. So, And what we have been seeing for precipitation has been very scattered. We have Correct. really... You know, you look back on it, we have not had very many days of severe weather. We just haven't because it just hasn't been able to organize into a, a large weather system, and we just haven't seen that yet, and that's what's causing this problem. We'll hope for more precipitation very, uh, very soon. Otherwise, where can you find your weather? You can go to the Weather tab at krvn.com. Thank you very much. On the last Rural Radio Forum. We always look to the health officials. You know, we like people to look to us when we're experts on education. We like to look to the experts on health and wellness. Let's all work together. Let's not judge each other on what we believe in our policies, our practices. Let's just do what we're being asked of by our health professionals, by our state organizations, by our school districts, by our city. Uh, Let's do what's being asked of us. and, And if we do that, we feel like we have a really good shot of continuing to do activities and having in-person school and that's that's what our goal is so hopefully through this process that people have learned and been able to uh, to grow and, and to put better things in place it's also really um, emphasize the need for the parent and teacher um, collaboration and partnership uh, we can't expect teachers uh, to be the only ones educating our kids listen to the podcast at krvn.com Tri-Basin NRD holds their annual board tour. I'm Shaylee Peters, back with you on the Rural Radio Network, and we're going to visit today with John Thorburn. He's the general manager for the Tri-Basin Natural Resources District. Directors and staff toured several projects in the district last week. John, so let's just talk more about, give us a preview of what this year's event looked like. Every year, Tri-Basin takes our board and our staff on a tour, a part of our district, just to show projects that we're involved in and and showcase some of the producers in our district. And so this year we went from Holdridge West to the uh, Bertrand and uh, Smithfield areas in Phelps and Gosper counties. Covering some very interesting aspects along the way, let's go with your first stop and then we'll kind of work through the, the four different stops that you made. Yeah, our first stop was called Cottonwood Ranch. It's a large wildlife area south and west of Elm Creek, Nebraska. And what we did there was looked at a Streamflow augmentation project. The Platte River Recovery Program is developing that as a groundwater recharge and retiming project. They take water out of the Platte River when there's excess flows, spread it out over the land, let it soak away, and then it 
we will be drilling some wells to be able to pump that water out and direct it to the river when the endangered species need it. Victor Lakes is a federally owned wildlife area. It's one of five wetlands that we have worked with Fish and Wildlife Service to connect to the central canal system, once again to enable us to take those excess flows out of the plat, uh, spread that water out onto the wetlands and allow groundwater recharge. And Victor Lakes was particularly notable because a lot of water soaked away at that wetland and uh, very successful from our point of view. And then the next was a very interesting stop, John, uh, very different from the first two. You visited Tom Swartz's farm. And tell us more about why you chose his farm in particular to show the board. Tom Swartz is really well known in this area as an organic producer, somebody that tries some innovative and different crops. And so we like to see those types of unusual agricultural operations. And Tom is one of the few licensed hemp growers in Nebraska, so he's starting uh, hemp production in this area. And then your last stop was twofold. It's pasture that you guys uh, came into. You did some controlled burning out there, which you were able to showcase. And then also you'll be using that further for another project. Yeah, Tri-Basin and Lower Republican NRDs purchased a piece of property in Gosper County that will, we hope, become the site of what's called the Platte Republican Diversion. Water would be diverted out of Central's canal system into a tributary of the Republican River. Once again, when there's excess flows in the Platte, we'll take that water, we'll redistribute it to the Republican to help us meet the requirements that we have to provide water to Kansas. The uh, property we've been managing for about three years now, and feel like we should use it as a demonstration site to show uh, good and uh, innovative techniques to manage grasslands. And so we've been preparing for a prescribed burn, which we conducted in April of this year. So you had a decent crowd, really, for the tour. Why is it important? You mentioned you do this every year. I guess um, in thinking about the stops that you made and, and just the event itself, the tour itself, why do you feel it's important to do this? Well, uh, Tri-Basin NRD covers three counties, and our directors all know their local areas but don't necessarily get around to other parts of the district unless they uh, participate in tours like this. And so this gives the directors and the staff a chance to see things that they've heard about and heard discussed in meetings, but give them a chance to look at it firsthand and, and see the progress that we're making in conserving our natural resources. John Thorburn, our guest today, General Manager of the Tri-Basin NRD. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. It is time for Midday Sports. Our own Jason Jorgensen is joining us. And well, Jason, let's start by talking hoops here in the middle of August. Yeah, a little bit. Superstater Alexis Markowski has decided to stay home to play college basketball. Over the weekend, she announced her commitment to Nebraska. Now, she is a daughter of former Husker and Ord native Andy Markowski. She is a 6'3 post who last year averaged 22 points and 12 rebounds per game for Lincoln Pius. She had originally committed to South Dakota State, but due to COVID, and I've heard this number of different times with recruiting, she just decided it was better to stay at home. We've had this discussion multiple times. It is hard to understand what campus is going to be like, what it, the feel is going to be when you can visit. So understandably, going to stay close to home. NBA playoffs start today. I'm shocked that you have this on our TV here in the studio. Four games today, Denver against Utah in a few minutes. Listen, my Denver Nuggets, they're playing at 1230. They're playing about uh, five, ten minutes. So, yeah, of course got to have them on. I can't say I ever can remember a Monday NBA game starting at 1230. No, and that's what I was shocked, too. But they only have two facilities yeah. to play, so you got to do what you got to do. 
81 parents and players from the Nebraska football team posted a letter on Twitter yesterday, which was delivered today to Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren. The letter is seeking for better answers on why the League of Presidents and Chancellors chose to postpone the fall sports season. That letter today, if you'd like to see what they erupted, you can find that at krvn.com, and that was delivered to Kevin Warren. K-State received approval today from the Riley County Commission to open up Bill Snyder Family Stadium to approximately 25% capacity this fall for Wildcat football games. Meanwhile, Athletic Director Gene Taylor said the department has developed new ticket options that will be unveiled to season ticket holders later on this week. UNK is still getting used to the idea of no fall sports this season. Head volleyball coach Rick Squires says not having a season to prepare, prepare for just doesn't seem right. Definitely strange. Uh, today, I think, would have been the first day of practice. So uh, that got me thinking a little bit uh, that, uh, you know, we're going to go through something here uh, that we have not done in decades. Uh, and, you know, for these girls, uh, you know, this game's been part of their life for a long time. And Squires adds they will be able to do some training this fall, and it's hoped they might get to play a few scrimmages in the spring. This is a bummer. UNK was right. poised to make another run at a title after going 38-1 last year. Can they have any practices during this time? Are, are, are they allowed to? It's as The way Rick described it to me, it's kind of like pre-spring. Okay. So the eight hours... For a little bit of court time, uh, but not a ton. So, but like he told me, it's better than nothing. So you're doing weights basically. Yep. Still can do some team activities, but you're right. It's not. It, it's not what they do. It no, used to. So, so they really mm-hmm. hope that they can mm-hmm. play somebody else in the scrimmage, and have their usual spring season. Sure. That's, that's what he sure. says would be the best outcome of this. And ESPN made it official today, announcing that Steve Levy, Brian Greasy, and Lewis Riddick, they're the new team for. Monday night football. And I think that'll go over uh, okay. I think so, too. I think so, too. Uh, we discussed this about an hour ago, but uh, the last crew, they're you know, they're fine, but it's not like what you know you had seen before. There was some solid crews before, and I think Steve Levy, I like the way he calls games. So. Yeah, he's, he's a pro. He's an easy listen. Mm-hmm. He's been around, so he gets his shot. All right, very good. Thank you very much. You bet. It is time for midday news, and of course, Ellen Simmons is now joining us. And Ellen, how was the the weekend before we get to the news? Productive? It was, yeah, yeah. I sat in a swather all weekend, so beautiful. It was all right, <laughs> and everything go okay? Yeah, okay. Yeah, for the most right. part. Didn't no break disasters. Down. <laughs> yeah, good, good. All right, so he'll let you keep going in the swather. Yeah, what I you're think saying. So. <laughs> Whether you like it or not, he'll need the help. Yeah. Very good. Well, it's a busy day, uh, another busy weekend, and news. So, uh, what do you have for us? Uh, Nebraska 3rd District Congressman Adrian Smith is pleased President Trump recently issued an executive order aimed at expanding the use of telehealth in rural health care. Right now, Medicare does not reimburse for telehealth measures that can prevent the need to transfer a patient to the hospital emergency room. When we can have a combination of providers using telehealth measures to treat people in place we know that that can prevent the, the complicating nature of moving patients around. So when we can uh, eliminate that and, and still provide good quality uh, access to, to care, I, I see that as a win-win, especially as it can save taxpayer dollars as well. Congressman Smith says the president's EO creates 
new ways of financing for rural health and extensions of emergency telehealth waivers previously limited to the COVID public health emergency. Smith praises the president's commitment to health care for rural Americans during the pandemic and beyond. Two Wayne State College professors say they are frustrated that their requests to teach remotely this fall were denied. Longtime history professor, 76-year-old Don Hickey, said he hired an attorney after college officials rejected his request to teach remotely. Another Wayne State history faculty member, 63-year-old Joseph Weichselman, also had his request rejected. Nebraska State College System spokeswoman Judy Yorgis said decisions were made with the best interests of students and staff in mind. She said colleges reduced class sizes and made their changes to promote safety this fall because of the coronavirus pandemic. Troopers with the Nebraska State Patrol have arrested one person after discovering nearly 2,300 pounds of marijuana during a motorist assist on Interstate 80 in Dawson County. It occurred around 1.30 p.m. Saturday, August 15th, as a trooper noticed a commercial box truck stopped with a mechanical problem on the shoulder of inter- of eastbound I-80, about six miles east of Kozat. The trooper stopped the assist during the motorist assist, and the trooper became suspicious of criminal activity. The truck was towed to the Nebraska State Patrol office in Lexington for a probable cause search with assistance from the Dawson County Sheriff's Office. The search revealed... 2,295 pounds of marijuana, which was concealed inside cardboard boxes marked as electronics and other items. The estimated street value of the marijuana is more than $5 million. The driver, Nolan Bailey, 33, of Buckeye, Arizona, was arrested for possession of marijuana, more than one pound possession with intent to deliver, and no drug tax stamp. He was lodged in the Dawson County Jail. By the way, the picture... I just saw that. It was on the, insane. It's on our website, by the <laughs> yeah. way. If you haven't seen what 2,300 pounds of marijuana looks like, yeah. holy smokes. It's a lot. <laughs> goodness. It's on our social media pages as well, but goodness. That filled up the room. Yeah, it did. It went to the ceiling almost. Yeah. and it, Well, and the, the truck that it was in, you would think it would at least take up most of the, most of the area. In Bad there. day to break down if you're uh, that yeah. guy. <laughs> goodness. All right, so police in Lincoln say an Iowa man has been killed in a crash in Lincoln. The Lincoln Journal-Star reports that the crash happened Sunday morning at the Interstate 80 on-ramp from North 27th Street, killing 24-year-old Connor Altenhofen of Cheriton, Iowa. Police say the crash happened when Altenhofen lost control of the car he was driving. The car went into a ditch and rolled several times before coming to rest upside down. Police say Altenhofen died at the scene, and his passenger, a 34-year-old Lincoln woman, suffered minor injuries to her face. Police say the woman told investigators that she and Altenhofen had been drinking before the crash. That's a look at your news. You can find more at krvn.com. Thank you very much, Ellen. Nebraska landowners, and more specifically, our ag producers, may soon see property tax relief. I'm Shaylee Peters, joining you back here on the Rural Radio Network. And we're going to visit today with President of the Nebraska Farm Bureau. It's Steve Nelson. Steve, we have you on from time to time. Certainly glad to have you back on today to discuss this a piece of legislation, LB 1107, which I know uh, the Nebraska Farm Bureau, along with several other groups, several other people have been really working hard on this past session to get something put into place. We finally got something across the finish line. Let's get some background first leading up to LB 1107 and kind of what we've been through to get to this point. 
And we'll talk more about then the nuts and bolts of what this legislation means for our producers. Sure. Well, happy to be on with you, Shaley. And I guess if you would, if we go way back from a background perspective, issues related to property tax have, have probably always been an issue for farmers and ranchers in the state of Nebraska. And so what we've seen, though, you know, over the last 10 years or so, has been a significant rise in property taxes paid by farmers and ranchers. Uh, part of that has been uh, due to how our the TIOSA or the state aid to schools formula works and and changes in land values and that kind of thing. So it's it's really exacerbated the problem and and and, and on an issue that has been been something of concern, uh, you know, almost uh, perennially. But when you talk about or think about uh, LB 1107, this is, is really a significant and meaningful step towards additional property tax relief for farmers and ranchers. It also provides property tax relief for uh, other property taxpayers, and, and I, I even talk about those that, that pay rent. Uh, over time, we'll see a benefit from this because the, the expenses that the land owner or the apartment owner whatever it might be have uh, those expenses will will uh, will go down but back to 1107 again i think the important part is that this does provide meaningful property tax relief it, over the time that it's implemented about a five-year time period where it comes into uh, complete implementation uh, we will get to about a 15 percent a reduction in property tax payments uh, made by producers, and this is an average, of course, and and it will vary slightly. And that's uh, above the existing property tax credit fund that that already exists and has been uh, has grown some over the last few years. So, well, we would have hoped to have more reform in how we fund schools. We are still uh, in a in a good situation here with some significant. Uh, property tax relief that uh, farmers and ranchers will see as we move forward. Okay, so let's break it down a little bit further then, Steve, because this was actually part of a a tax package. So LB 1107 uh, specifically addressing some of the property tax issues. How exactly will our ag producers, our ag landowners see the benefits of this legislation? Sure. Well, there's a number of, of, uh, of things in the bill. And, and first of all, I maybe should just touch on the how the bill uh, phases in over five years. Around $150 million will be put into the fund in the first year, which means that will affect property taxes paid next year. So that's that's kind of the first time that the taxpayers will see uh, some benefit from 1107. And then over a uh, four or five year period of time after that, uh, the, the fund will continue to grow, uh, partially based on the, the growth in the state economy and, and connected to the state budget. But in the end, we ha- we get to over $350 million uh, of total money in this fund. And that's a requirement of the bill. So even if, uh, if the economy doesn't grow enough to, to trigger those those incremental uh, additions to the fund, it will it it's mandated that it get to that amount in the end. So we will get there, and then 
part of this comes, part of the benefit to taxpayers comes through an uh, income tax uh, uh, rebate that we've talked, or refundable income tax is, is really how I should say that. Uh, refundable income tax, which which uh, if you pay income tax, it will be a reduction on that. If, if you have a year when you don't have a state income tax liability, uh, you will get a check from the state to offset. So that that is a piece of the, the, the bill. Then, it, then there are some different things related to evaluations and taxes paid to schools that, that allocate that money uh, out to, to the taxpayer. And so it, it, uh, there's, there are a number of components there. And, and that, but I think the most important part is that, that the total number is guaranteed uh, you know, in this four to five year period. And that's one of the things that, that has been lacking in some of the plans in the past that had a, had a phase in tied to growth that if the growth didn't take place, then the property tax relief didn't take place here. It is, it is a requirement of the bill. And so that, that really, I think captures how, how this bill works. And then, then the existing property tax credit fund will be will continue to to operate like it has you know that's somewhere in that nine or ten percent range uh, on the average uh, uh, reduction in property taxes so if you put the two together you know we're talking about some some fairly significant property tax relief and something that i th- i think that that will be meaningful as we move forward again Thank you, Steve. Nebraska Farm Bureau President Steve Nelson visiting with us today about LB 1107, finally seeing some property tax legislation crossing that finish line. We've got more up at ruralradio.com. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. With Business Report, I'm Bob Rogan. Stocks are starting another week with modest gains on Wall Street. And the S&P 500 is making its latest run at its record high. The benchmark index was up three-tenths of a percent at 3,384.56 in midday trading. Earlier in the morning, it climbed above its record closing level of 3,386.15, which was set on February 19th before the pandemic shut down businesses worldwide and created the worst recession in decades. Twice last week, the index briefly crossed above that record level, only to fade in the afternoon. Democratic Speaker Nancy Pelosi is calling the House back into session this week to vote on a bill prohibiting the U.S. Postal Service from changing its operations or level of service. Her decision comes amid growing concerns that the Trump White House is trying to undermine the agency during the coronavirus pandemic as states expand mail-in voting options. Two lawmakers today called on the FBI to investigate. The U.S. government is imposing another round of restrictions on tech giant Huawei. As President Donald Trump renews accusations, the Chinese company's telecommunications equipment is used for spying. The Commerce Department's new rules, which will further block Huawei from getting access to chip technology. A Huawei executive earlier in August said the company was already running out of processor chips to make smartphones due to U.S. sanctions and might be forced to stop production of its own most advanced chips. Iran's oil minister says the cargo of four tankers seized by the U.S. last week en route to Venezuela is no longer Iranian property. 
The minister today insisted the U.S. has no right to confiscate the shipment in international waters. The Trump administration said it seized the cargo of four tankers it was targeting for transporting Iranian oil to Venezuela. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Rogan. UNL West Central Research Extension Education Center's annual Water and Crops Field Day coming up Thursday, August 27th. We learn more about the event right here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Clay Patton, talking now with Nebraska Extension Educator Chuck Burr. And Chuck, you're a water system specialist, so you've helped organize this entire field day. But one interesting thing about 2020, it's going to look a little bit different given the fact that it's virtual. So tell us some of the biggest changes that it's going to be being a virtual field day this year. And of course, I'm sure a big question is, after the the session is over, is there still going to be that usual question and answer period for farmers and producers that are watching the virtual field day? Yeah, so the, of course the big change is it's all virtual, so don't show up in person. We won't have any tables and chairs set up for you. Uh, but we're still trying to maintain, you know, our out-of-state speakers that we always bring in every year. We've got shorter talks. Most of them are 12 to 15 minutes long. Uh, so try to provide kind of an overview of what we're doing, uh, the points we're trying to get across. And then after two or three uh, talks, we'll have live question and answer sessions. So all the presenters, be the recorded videos, will be available online to answer your questions and uh, get out more information to you. Chuck, given this is the first time UNL has hosted virtual field days, what are the goals that they hope to see after the field days? Yeah, really the goals this year are like any other year. We're just trying to get, uh, you know, the latest research information, not only from here at North Platte, at the Research Extension Education Center, but, you know, across the Midwest. That's why we bring in those out-of-state speakers, trying to get information out there so producers can uh, make informed decisions, uh, think about innovations on their operation, and especially this year with grain prices, you know, how to be more efficient and more profitable. And profitability is huge, but one way is maybe making your farm more efficient with technology, and that's how now, there's an entire breakout session with it, technology and agriculture, and I was interested. Michael Horsch, he is actually a German producer. He's one of the keynote speakers talking about digital tools in agriculture. So, uh, Chuck, can you elaborate? How is Germany already utilizing digital tools in agriculture, and what's Michael going to be speaking on? Yeah, so Michael's been in the equipment business for about 40 years. I think he started his company back in the early 80s. You know, they have all the GPS control, section control, road control, uh, variable rates, sprayers and planters and seeders. So he's got the latest technology implemented into the equipment they sell. And really, I'm interested to see what he has to say as, as we look to the future. You know, what does agriculture look like 10, 15 years down the road? You know, we've seen a huge change in adoption of technology in the last, you know, 10, 15 years here in the state. But what's it really going to look like the next 15 years down the road? What will agriculture look like in general in 10 to 15 years down the road? And Chuck, I think that segues next into my prime thinking here, because really a prime part of this virtual field day is the fact focusing on water and nutrient management. And inputs are so critical right now, but you've got to be so efficient given the current commodity prices. So water and nitrogen use are going to be a huge topic that is going to be discussed throughout here. How important has that been in the 2020 growing season? 
Yeah, so nitrogen management's been maybe a little bit easier this year because we haven't had a lot of rain in the early early part of the growing season to lead our, lead our nitrogen out. Uh, but basically what we're seeing in our TAPS program is uh, we're able to get by with less nitrogen uh, than maybe what producers have been putting on in the past. So uh, taking a look, and one of those examples is Jason Bodie, you know, a local farmer from Hershey here is going to be speaking during that session. You know, he's getting by with a lot less nitrogen than what many other producers are applying. Uh, not only being efficient with that nitrogen, but it's really costs are cutting costs and reducing how much money he spends on fertilizer, but still gets those top-notch yields. Unfortunately, we've run out of time here with Chuck Burr, Nebraska Extension, talking about an upcoming virtual field day, but I'm going to continue this conversation online. Catch the full unedited podcast at ruralradio.com. Play Patton on the World Radio Network, talking with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing at Chicago, publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. And John, looking across here, some really strong gains seen in the wheat, soybean, and corn markets here today. Something we haven't got to talk about in a while, so it's exciting to see. But how much more can we expect? Because, yes, overall they look cheap, but how aggressive do you need to be thinking about your pricing strategy right now? Well, any strategy needs to be built around how much time you have to sell. I mean, if you don't have thirty more than thirty days, and you got to probably throw some orders out there. Psychologically, it's always difficult to sell a move like this when there's uncertainty. Um, you know, I feel awful for the people up there. It's gnarly damage, uh, and it's certainly a wide swath of, of land that's affected. But you still look at the overall picture. It's difficult, in my opinion, to probably price it much more than 365, 360 in the short run, just given you're going to price yourself out of different markets in the corn side. Beans are a different story because you, you know, you're a little more basing it on old crop weather, but, or I'm not old crop weather, but the weather of the grain that's in the field, that's difficult to become too bullish on because you're getting more additional production both from next year's crop, you're going to get guys planting wheat here, to then double crop the beans behind it, and then you're also getting South American influence as well. So, supply side isn't really going to be the driver here. It's got to be it's, it's, to, to get a substantial upside move. You got to see demand kick in. I would advise everybody if you're watching one contract right now, look at the December gasoline. I think that is a good tell here as far as where uh, where prices could go uh, longer term. Because if gasoline doesn't rally, then that's when all that move up, and then you just go into the red here. So. Gasoline looks pretty good, starting to peak up in its price gap. You just wonder how much longer we can go here uh, with the economy still waiting on fiscal stimulus. Well, and then you look at that as well. The U.S. dollar on nearly two-year lows, almost its first net sort position according to CFTC data. Now, the last time we saw that in 2018, it quickly turned around, and they quickly covered those shorts. Can we expect a similar repeat now? I think a lot of it depends on what happens with the congressional bailout. When the dollar goes up, Dollar gets tight, it's more expensive. Meaning I want money, it's gonna cost me more to get it. When the dollar gets cheaper, it's easier money, I don't need much, asset prices do better. We're kind of in a little bit of a on our way to that ladder uh, analogy, but much of what has to happen here depends, comes out of Congress. And from what I'm hearing, they're, not, they're taking the can until September. So, you know, we've got our short-term uh, unemployment insurance, but as far as like keeping some of these corporations alive long-term, it's going to be a tough, tough road to hoe. Again, John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniels Ag Marketing. More at danielsagmarketing.com. Do remember, trading futures and options involves risk of loss. 
Thank you very much, Clay. That'll wrap up today's edition of Midday. If you missed any of the interviews or segments, you can listen to the Midday Podcast, which is available for free at krvn.com or on iTunes. Our Midday Podcast is sponsored by Deveni